This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. self-care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. It's Jen, obviously. Let's jump right into what was in alignment and out of alignment for us this past week. For me, it was definitely friends and just like getting out there was definitely a more social week for me. I was talking to one of my best friends about this this week. She agreed with me because we're very similar. For me, it's like I'm on an every other week, every two week basis. I need my alone time to recharge, do, you know, all the things that I love to do get a head start on YouTube and everything and like really be zoned out on or zoned in on work and like myself. And then I have a week where I'm super social and I have like a bunch of plans in a row. And that's just how it works. I'm like, I'm on like an every other week basis. (laughs) I'm not someone who's super social every single week or super isolated every week. I'm, I'm very much like I take the time to recharge and focus on work. And then once I'm social, I'm like ready to be social. DM me. I would love to know if you agree with that. I think everyone is different. I think we just happen to be very similar on that. But would love to know how you guys are in that respect because everyone's different. But for me, I had a very social week. So one of my best friends from childhood moved to Paris when she went to college and then stayed in Europe until now. And we've seen her. We see her like once every few years. And she was home this week and I got to see her multiple times. I'll see her again this week. So it was so nice. I spent a lot of time with my high school friends this week and I just love them so much. And I'm just so happy that I got to spend so much time with them this week. Dinners and pool parties. And we just like really spent so much quality time together. This weekend, Ethan had a crawfish boil and all of our friends got together and just had a nice, relaxing pool day and quality time. So I had a great week in terms of friends. And then what was out of alignment for me this week was spending too much money. I've been really good about, not even this week, it was mainly the weekend, but I've been really good about not really shopping, only buying things I need, not you know ordering in during the week. And because I was with friends, I just get like, you get unfocused, right? Like you're with friends, you get excited, you want to spend on dinners and drinks and all of these things. And you know, oh, we're going, we're spending the day by the pool this weekend. I need a new bathing suit. I need new sunglasses, like things like that, that you just get carried away with, or I get carried away with sometimes. It's almost like when people deprive themselves of, you know, Instead of eating a balanced meal, they just eat like super, super, super low calorie and they're depriving themselves and then all of a sudden they want to binge. Like that's how I am with spending money. (laughs) I'm like spending absolutely nothing and then all I want to do is shop. So 
that was out of alignment for me this week. I'm one of my goals for this week is to get recentered with my budget, face the facts of how much I've been spending and really figure out where I can cut back. So that was out of alignment for me this week, but we're hoping to rebudget this week. I don't know. I'm really not good with finances, but I'm trying. I'm learning. So going to prioritize that this week. So I hope you guys reflected on your weeks as well. Let's breathe in what was out of alignment. Nope, let's not do that. Let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this past week. <sighs> okay, let's intro this week's guest, which I'm so excited about. I know I always say that, I feel like, because I just, the podcast excites me in general, but this week we have one of my internet friends. We have Zoe Pritchard on the podcast She's a 24-year-old from Montreal working full-time in management consulting while also creating honest lifestyle videos on YouTube with 19,000 subscribers. If you are not subscribed to her, I'm going to link her YouTube channel in the show notes. Let's get her to 20K. So exciting. I'm so excited for her. How many times can I say excited in this episode? (laughs) All right, reel it in, Jen. Anyway, if you're really interested in YouTube, then you will love this episode. We touch on a bunch of other topics that can be applied to people who are not interested in YouTube as well, so definitely keep listening. But we had just such a candid, open, naturally flowing conversation about YouTube, and here's some of the topics we hit on. Should you tell your full-time job that you are on YouTube? Being insecure about your YouTube channel in the workplace and also you know, being insecure about owning your channel when you don't have a following yet. We also touch on how we can be productive without burning out, how to be efficient and productive while juggling a full-time job and a side hustle, how to stay consistent on YouTube when feeling unmotivated, being honest about your finances, and how doing what you love and putting yourself out there can lead to overall confidence in all areas of your life. She also tells us the key the one key that she has to attribute to her YouTube growth. So stay tuned to hear that. Please leave a review. I love reading them, but they really do help us out. They help us get amazing guests on this podcast. And also take a screenshot on your Instagram stories if you enjoyed this episode. And subscribe to both Zoe and I on YouTube. We would really appreciate it. All right. Love you all. Enjoy. excited to have you on and to chat with you today. Hello. I'm super happy to be here. I feel like, so we're basically like internet friends. And you know when Mm -hmm. you watch people, like you watch their vlogs and you feel like you already know them, but then we also talk. So like I feel like we (laughs) fully know each other already. It is so I know you. We're friends. (laughs) I can't wait to go work out in NYC with you. Please, you have to let me know the second you come here. As soon as the borders open, like New York is my first place that I want to get to. So. Yay! Yay, I love it. Okay, let's dive right in. But first, you have to let me know your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Sure. So I think, okay, I hmm, two. And one of there's like a micro and a macro version of it if you want to get fancy. So Go the number it. one thing I think is journaling. 
that has helped me just put my thoughts down somewhere so that they're not spinning around in my head. Like I'm a very anxious person and I live in my head a lot and I live in my head so much as it is. So journaling gave me an outlet to put down a lot of my stress and a lot of my thoughts. And I think there's like this misconception with journaling that you have to write these like elaborate, beautiful journal entries. Mine are just like lists of what I have to do today. And every single journal entry is like, I have so much on my plate today. And like I list out what it is. But I've noticed such a difference in my mental health. And then as a result, my productivity since I've started journaling. Um, and doing it on a regular basis. So the like macro version of that is kind of my morning routine and then just making sure that I incorporate journaling into that so that I do it pretty much every morning. Um, That's my best tip. I love that. I just got into journaling this year, like during the pandemic. I've never been, because I had that same misconception where I was like, well, not a writer, so I'm not going to journal, like nothing I said, you know, like all I knew Mm -hmm. how to do was like, dear diary, like I just never (laughs) dabbled into it. And then this year I realized as you write without any plan or any intention, I'll like, for example, I'll go to bed feeling emotional and I'll have no idea why or I'll think I have no idea why. And then I just journal for five minutes and I just feel like I figure it out Mm -hmm. and I'm at peace. Just like understanding what's happening in my mind allows me to just like get to know myself a bit better and feel more at peace. So I've been really loving journaling and honestly, it hurts my hand so much because I don't write ever. So I'm trying to like really strengthen my wrist because sometimes I just cut my journaling short because like my hand is killing me. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. Like I'll sometimes like I want to write so much, but I'm like, okay, tone it down because I can't hold my pen for this long. It's crazy. But and the other thing that I do sometimes that I've realized is like sometimes before I even sit down to journal, I think in my head about what I'm going to journal. And so my thoughts become a journal entry and then I don't even need to write it down. Because I'm thinking in that special way. Because I think it's kind of like an analytical way of thinking and writing. Like you're analyzing your own thoughts. At least that's how I do it. Um, And it's just been so helpful. Exactly like you said, to get to know yourself better and figure out what's going on and why am I actually upset, stressed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And if you didn't have that time aside to think like, oh, I'm going to journal now, you wouldn't have taken that moment to check in, even if it's just in your head and you don't end up Mm -hmm. writing it down. It's almost an excuse to check in with yourself. A thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. So I think most people who are going to listen to this know you from YouTube and that's how I found you. So I want to dive into your story. Like, What's your background? Why did you start a YouTube channel? When did you start? Let's just like walk through the whole YouTube journey. Yeah. So, okay, my YouTube journey I think is really funny because it starts when I was in eighth grade. So I was, how old are you in the eighth grade? I was 13 years old. Um, And there was just, I remember there was one summer where I became too old for summer camp and not like sleepaway camp but like day camp and so I was home all day by myself and I started watching YouTube videos because I wanted to learn how to do makeup so I was watching YouTube videos and then I fell into this like community of the beauty YouTubers and like Juicy Star 07 and Bubs Beauty and uh, Candy Johnson like that like OG YouTuber gang and then even I was watching like Brooke Michio and Danielle like I was all of those people I was I was watching them Gretchen anyway so that summer those people like 
were essentially my only friends. And I loved YouTube so much that I was like, I'm going to start my own channel. And so I would film like hauls and makeup tutorials. And it started like that. Um, then I got into the outfit of the days. I would copy like PB Bunny 07 or 97, whatever her, her username Wait. was. Can I stop you for one second? Yeah. You had no insecurities about putting yourself on YouTube at that age. You were just like, no. I'm going to start a channel and you just did it. Yeah. I, I gave that is rare. no Fs. Like I just, I, I didn't have a lot of friends in real life. And so I just, I didn't know that doing YouTube was a weird thing. Right. Not that it is, but you know, other people sometimes think it is. So I didn't yeah. know that other people would think it was weird because I idolized these girls that I was watching so much. And I was like, well, if they're doing it, I want to do it. So I just, I just did it. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't like, I didn't tell anyone. Um, and then somehow my videos started getting a lot of views back then, like a couple thousand views. And I started getting, you know, like a lot of subscribers and I was like making different channels. Like I had one channel and then I had a new one. Like anyway, so it, it, that's how it got started with like these outfit of the days and stuff. Um, and then, you know, when I got into high school, that's when I started getting self-conscious about it. And that's when other people were making YouTube videos and my peers were finding them and making fun of them. So I thought, oh, I got to stop. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I can't let people know that I'm, that I'm doing this. So I stopped for a few years, started again in university in my first year, but kept it super secret. Like I didn't want anyone to find out. It was just like, I had this feeling that I needed to create videos and that I needed to be on YouTube. Um, but I think when you're keeping it a secret and you're like ashamed of it, like I was, it, you're not going to go far with it. You're not going to keep up with it. So again, then I stopped. And then it was, I remember it was New Year's, um, January 2019. And I just like, I've always had this urge to make videos because I've always watched them. And I was like, Zoe, what are you doing? Like, you've been wanting to do this for years. You, you have to start and you have to not care what people think. And so January 2019 is when I got back into the swing of it. And yeah, it was kind of just a little journey, journey from there. So 2019, a few years ago, did you start from zero again? So I started. Subscribers? No, I'm, I'm really lucky I didn't. I still had my old channel um, that had, I think it was like 2000 subscribers, but most of those people weren't watching. So I remember my first video that I uploaded I did like a New Year's resolutions thing and I was like, I'm back. And there was, I think I got about 300 views and I was like so excited that there was yeah, still wow. 300 people from that original group that, that followed me that like still subscribed. Yeah, that's I incredible. I mean, still watched, not subscribed, still watched. Yeah, but 300 people when you haven't posted in years, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. And then having people comment like, oh, my God, you're back. I missed you. It was like crazy. Wow. So, OK, 2019, what phase? This was after college? I was still in college. Um, I was okay. right about to go study abroad. So I was making videos like makeup tutorials and like um, fashion videos and about spinning. So that was a big one. I did like a 30 day spin challenge and then that video blew up and that helped build a lot of momentum on my channel because that video was getting so many views. I was getting a lot of subscribers. So I was kind of in this like fitness realm. I started making more fitness content. Um, and then I moved to Australia and I lived there for a few months. So I was making study abroad content and that also did really well because people were searching for that particular university. Yeah. So those videos did well, but I wasn't consistent or anything. I uploaded like once a month and then I graduated. 
like I came back to Canada I graduated and I started work and that's when I really got consistent with YouTube like twice a week let's go so I want to talk about this because I feel like most of the time we talk about you know having the courage to put yourself out there on YouTube in middle school in high school in college but there is a whole nother topic that I don't think is spoken about often that I know me and you have spoken about which is being on YouTube when you have a full-time job Mm -hmm. and the insecurity there of like there's that layer of you know like the social insecurity but then there's like am I doing something wrong am I not allowed to have this other thing I'm pursuing outside of work whether it's for conflict of interest or just like does it look like I'm not passionate about my job like Mm -hmm. also the work week in my life or the work day in my life it's like is this wrong like Am I supposed to be getting permission for this? But you're also hiding it. So I want to dive into that. You know, it's it's yeah. enough just juggling YouTube with a full-time job. But, like, let's talk about the insecurity that comes with that, too. Yeah, it's it's a totally different game from what you said about, like, like in high school, it's like people are going to think I'm a loser and nobody's going to want to be my friend. But exactly like you said, like at work, it's like, well, my coworkers might think I'm a loser, but I care less about what they think. I yes. think we're more sure of ourselves and we don't care as much about our coworkers' opinions. But yeah, suddenly we care about, am I doing something wrong? And so my first job, it's so crazy because, so I was, I didn't tell anyone. And I don't think you should tell anyone because I think it's opening a can of worms that doesn't necessarily need to be opened. Unless you have like a very big following. I don't know. I just wouldn't mention it. I don't think it's really any of their business, but that's just my opinion. Um, So I didn't tell anyone about it, but, you know, it was linked to my Instagram and whatever. So some coworkers found it and brought it up to um, like my managers And then my manager had to sit me down and was like, we know, word for word, what she said to me was, we know about your double life. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, she made it seem as if I was like hiding a family or like, you know, doing some crazy like work on the side, like not YouTube. Um, And she was like, yeah, we don't really like that you're doing that. Like, Um, because I was working as a consultant um, so we had work like with clients and she was like yeah like it it looks bad for the clients it's it's um, you know a confidentiality issue like all of these excuses that I've now had conversations with like my family and my friends because I think older people just don't get it either and they're like your company and your job needs to be your whole life and like confidentiality is everything but like you and I, we know how to live on the internet and be confidential and be professional. Like we know how to keep those lives separate. So anyways, I'm rambling here, but it was just the strangest experience. And I remember feeling so crushed when they told me not to to, to pursue this anymore. And I still did it. Like I didn't really listen to them because I'm like, yeah. you're not going to censor me. Like you're not going to tell me what to do. Um, and I think it just depends on the company because some companies want you to live and breathe them and your job right and other companies are like yeah it's cool like go have a life outside of work we want you to so you know if youtube um, or any social media is something you're serious about i think you need to kind of align that with your full-time job because if you have to keep it a secret it's just not gonna go over well i don't think yeah and i think society is changing especially you know since the pandemic like i think having these side hustles and like you know, bringing your personality online is definitely more accepted and more Mm -hmm. normalized now than it has been in the past few years. But I've had, I I have a different, 
not different opinion, but when it comes to like whether you should or shouldn't speak about it, I agree it depends on the company. But I have had every like tier of that experience. So in the beginning, I was an assistant at HBO and I had like under 400 subscribers or something like I had just started and everyone I worked with was much older than me. So they wouldn't understand and like mm-hmm. it just wouldn't come up naturally in conversation. But I did kind of feel like I was hiding this part of me. And it was weird. It was like I felt like I had this secret to be ashamed of and I hated that. And then at my next company, I was, you know, it was more people my age. So they would follow me on Instagram and stuff and they would sort of find it themselves like when I would post. And it was that same sort of like, wait, you have a YouTube channel? What? And like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But my managers, I think they knew and never said anything about it. And then the job after that, which I just had I went into it saying I'm going to put this in my bio when it gets sent around the company I'm going to say it in my interview because I just I hated feeling so weird like some people know some people don't is this okay is it not I wanted to like have it on my resume and if you accept me for this position then I know it's okay and it's not something I'm going around like talking about but I do suggest maybe having it on your resume just so that At least you can say if it gets brought up, like, I was hired with this on my resume. It is what it is. Yeah. I I think you have to go one of two ways. You either say nothing or you own it, but you can't be in the middle. Like, you either own it like it's a job, like it's your family, like it's your passion, which it kind of should be. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're pursuing it. So, yeah, you put it on your resume, you state it. And, it can be a really wonderful thing when you're applying for jobs. To YouTube gives you so many skills, right? Presentation, communication, selling yourself, working with brands, like Editing. so many skills that you can bring to a job. So yeah, I think you either own it because I've done that now. I've done that. Now that my platform is bigger, it's a little bit yeah. harder to hide and I love it so much that I don't want to hide it. But when you are just starting out in your career, especially in a field like consulting, I, I just don't think it's like the thing yeah. you want to put on blast. But I guess it depends what your priority is. Like if you want YouTube to be your career one day, then you need to own it. And if you're like, I'm just doing this for fun. I don't want it to interfere with my job. Then I think um, sometimes it's not worth opening yeah. like, the conversation. I don't know. It's It's tricky. It's super awkward when you don't have a following yet and you're like under a thousand subscribers because you're like – is it weird if I act like this is my job and own it? I really don't have that many subscribers. It's like I almost felt this need to play it off like, oh, yeah, I do it for free workout classes. And it sucks. Like when, when you don't have a few thousand subscribers yet, it's like you feel like you have to act like it's no big deal and like you're mm-hmm. doing it for other reasons. And it just sucks totally. that we like rope I know you ourselves have to brush in. it off and pretend. I know. I like know. you don't care about it. And it's like, but I'm doing it. Obviously, I care about I it. I know. You can't help it. Like when people ask you about it, you you get so insecure. And it's I that's why I love that we find, you know, other people in the YouTube community to talk to about it and to like lift each other up because now we have all these communities online and, you know, even Natalie's Patreon and everything to just like have a community around it and be able to own it and like talk to people about brand deals and like how do you get your first a thousand subscribers and things like that because otherwise you just feel like alone and awkward and when people ask you about it you just want to brush it off and then you yeah. have a full-time job and it's weird and the whole thing pe- gets people super think weird. it's weird like so what happened at my current job is I didn't say anything because I 
I didn't want to say something and have them shut me down right away. I was like, I'm yeah. going to keep it a secret. If they figure it out, that's on them. Like, but I'm not I'm not going to bring it up and, and ha- allow myself to be shut down. Um, so anyway, of course, somebody found it because they Googled me or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it was like this whole conversation with HR and my manager. It was terrible. And I remember with my manager, she was like, so you have a YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just something I do for fun. It's my quarantine hobby. Like, no, it's not. I love it. Like, why did I say it? Like, why did I why did I belittle myself? But anyways, it's it's I don't think there's a a right or wrong way to go about dealing with YouTube at work. I think it really depends on the company, depends on the field that you're in. Um, and it's, it's so tricky because older people, a lot, and mostly it's older people, they just don't get it and they think it's weird and like, I, (laughs) yeah, they just don't get it. But when there's younger people at your company, they're more likely to be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're out there and you're dealing with the same thing and having trouble just like owning it in situations like that, DM us. We could all like, we need to force yeah. each other, lift each other up and like just own it as a community because it's cool. And it's cool to do something different and out of the box, which can, it seems, you know, uncomfortable when you have to explain it to people that don't get it, like your parents' friends or something like that. But I I think we just all need to own the fact that like it's cool to do something out of the box and we're following our passions and do you know how many other people have things in mind that they would love to do and they just like won't do it because they feel like they can't do it because it's too weird or it's too you know people will talk like who wants to live like that no 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 and the other thing I want to say is yeah for for anyone listening who's maybe in that situation is like I don't think there's a right or wrong reason. Like I've full on gotten into arguments with like family members because they think that I'm wrong for like posting work content. They're like, well, work is work and you keep your personal life and your work life separate. And that's their opinion. And I disagree with it. And I've just had to come to the terms that like, okay, well, I don't agree. And that's it. And leave it at that. So yeah, don't I don't want anyone to feel like they're doing something wrong. Even if someone tells you you're doing something wrong. You're not. Listen to us. Also, like, You're those good. people definitely don't follow the YouTube trends. And actually, no, work no. week in my life is super trendy. <laughs> e- exactly. Like, you know what? You think I'm wrong, whatever, but I'm out here making money while also making money, you know? Right. Double dipping. So don't come for me. <laughs> yeah. And your content is super relatable in that sense. Like, you talk about work. You talk about finances. And I do want to get into that. But I also want to talk about the time management of it all? Like, how do you juggle YouTube with a full-time job in terms of managing your time? Yeah. So I don't think I'm the best at time management. I think I stress myself out and and work inefficiently, um, to be completely honest. But, okay, I'm going to say this. And it's like, this isn't, I wouldn't say this on my YouTube channel because there are eyes watching. But I feel like on podcast, <laughs> it's safe. You have to get stuff done in the order of priority and whenever it takes. So I, I guess that doesn't make sense. Allow me to elaborate. <laughs> so if you're working nine to five and you only touch work from nine to five, then that leaves like very little time after work to work on your YouTube stuff. Let's say like answering emails, uh, filming, whatever. But if you can find little pockets during your work day when there's dips in work, right? Nobody's busy from nine to five, like nonstop, right? You are going to have dips. Answer emails in there. Film a clip in there. You know, go to a workout class and film that. Like whatever your content is, I think integrating it into your life 
and integrating it into your day. For me, that's been the way I manage it because I'm tired after the workday and I don't want to sit around for four more hours like editing or doing everything at the end of the day. So I try and just sneak little YouTube breaks. Like I'll take a 20 minute break and I work on something for YouTube or I take a one hour break and I film something. Um, And yes, it makes my regular work day longer and I'm lucky to have a job that's flexible, but doing both simultaneously is the way that I've managed to make it work. I know that's quite privileged and not, not everybody can do that, but if nobody's looking and if you can get away with it, that is my tip. And that's why I don't say it on camera because people are yeah. looking. But but yeah. yeah, that's 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 how I get it done because otherwise it just it just wouldn't because in the evenings I want to see my friends, I want to see my family, I want to watch TV. Um so I do both at the same time. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I think I wouldn't have been able to do that at my full-time job before working from home. But now that most of us are working from home, I'm now part-time with a few jobs. But when I was full-time, I would get stuck in this process of like, I'm sitting at my desk from 9 to 7 p.m. And a lot of the time I'm procrastinating. I'm looking through emails because I felt like I just had to be working in that period. Mm -hmm. But once I started realizing like, oh, no one will know what I'm doing for the next 25 minutes. I can edit a thumbnail or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, answer, pitch pitch brand sponsorships or anything for YouTube or my podcast. It really does help because at the end of the day, you're tired. Like it's, yeah. and you know, editing videos for some reason, I have it like as such a mentality that it's a nighttime activity and I'm trying Same. to get out of that. Me too. It's a, it's a nighttime activity for me. I, because I think we're so ingrained into this, like when you're on the clock, you're working for work right like daytime is dedicated to work and like I'm still struggling to kind of break out of that um but yeah editing is a nighttime thing for me too I think it's because you have to get in this zone to edit and you have to you can't be emailing at the same time like Mm -hmm. you're in a zone you're zoned in you are working on this for at least an hour so it kind of feels impossible to do that during the day so I think it's just a nighttime thing but I want to watch like my reality shows at night I want to relax I want to be able to go to dinner with friends and not be anxious about it so that's something that I personally struggle with but it sounds like you you do your other stuff you know you fit it in pockets of the day but then you do edit at night exactly yeah and like I feel guilty a lot like a lot of the times like this is something I struggle with is feeling guilty that like right now it's 10 30 a.m I should be on the clock working I'm filming a podcast right or I'm recording (laughs) a podcast I'm going to make up the time later. I'm going to get all my stuff done later. But yes, you have to you have to be flexible. And so I've been working on not feeling guilty uh, for stuff like that because you really do just have to integrate it. I think there's this unhealthy side hustle mentality that's like you grind all day at your nine to five and mm-hmm. then you grind all night. And it's like, OK, well, when do you sleep? When do you see your parents? Like it's not healthy. So I'm sorry if this is terrible advice, but I'm literally just telling the truth of how I do it. And I think everyone finds their own rhythm. And this is what works for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think it's terrible advice at all because something that I always talk about is like that exact mentality where people are like, if you want to make it on YouTube, like you have to edit till 4 a.m. and then wake up for your nine to five and that's it. And I'm like, but my message and like what I film and put out there on YouTube is all about self-care and mental health and like how to sleep better and all of those types of tips. So like, there has to be another way because I'm not going to sacrifice my well-being to quote unquote make it on YouTube. So 
I actually think that's a great tip. And even if, and although it might be privileged, but like even, for example, I work the front desk at Rumble, a fitness studio, a few, like four times a week. When they're when the people are checked in and in class, I can do anything on my own. So I try to get work done in the meantime. So even if you're in like, unless you're a waitress or something, even if, but there are some service industry jobs or some jobs where you are in person where you can get away with like, getting some work done and even if it's just like IG stories or something if you're Mm -hmm. in social media like answering emails on your phone I agree like taking a 20 minute break to even if you say I'm going to grab coffee and then run into Starbucks and like work for 20 minutes on your computer like I think it just saves you so much of the stress of like putting everything off until you're home at 8 p.m. and then you're shoving food down your throat and you're working till one like I I'm with you I think there's another way and I think we can create more space throughout the day even you know juggling YouTube with a full-time job it's hard it's not gonna it's still gonna take more hours of your day Mm -hmm. but I agree like finding those pockets wherever you can I think it's just being like resourceful and smart with your time exactly like I think the this is something I'm super passionate about is like I just feel like the whole nine to five way of working is extremely outdated we're not meant to sit at a desk for eight hours a day and stare at a screen and be productive for eight straight hours. It just doesn't make sense. So if I can get my work done in what, you know, maybe would normally take two hours, if I can get it done in an hour, well, that gives me an extra hour to edit a thumbnail or whatever. So you do have to find these little hacks when you're juggling both to make yourself more efficient. And that's kind of the fun of it too, right? Is is finding those ways to be more efficient and finding what works for you and Like, I'm by no means saying that it's easy, but you can find ways to make it a little less stressful. Do you experience feeling super unmotivated sometimes or burnt out with YouTube specifically? Obviously, I feel like we all do with our full-time jobs, but with YouTube, how do you – because you're super consistent. So, like, how do you stay consistent when you're feeling unmotivated or, like, you don't want to edit that night or, you know – when you have those feelings I know it's so so hard I'm lucky now I've signed with a management agency and they hold me super accountable which has been really really great because when I had no one to hold me accountable I would skip a week or I'd skip an upload and that's okay to do that that's the other thing is like I'm so hard on myself like if I upload a day late it's the end of the world for me like I'm really really hard on myself yeah um even if I skip a week I'm like but like nobody Same. notices you know and <laughs> nobody notices but like I'm just so so duff on myself um but yeah I do experience unmotivated like feeling unmotivated like there was one week where I accidentally deleted an entire week in my life's clips from oh. my camera because I was just like in I was deleting clips and then I like wasn't paying attention and I went too far and deleted like an entire week's worth of vlog clips oh my and god that, I have secondhand anxiety for you yeah and that messed up my momentum for like a month because I was so mad at myself for losing that content and it was good content and then I was mad at myself and I just it like all spiraled down into not feeling motivated to film not feeling motivated to edit and how do I get out of it is you just kind of have to force yourself and I I do think um, for me with YouTube it is this like spiraling effect so it can either spiral upwards or spiral downwards where all I need to do to sometimes get myself motivated is sit focus edit with like calm background music and you know playing quietly behind me and edit for an hour and then I'm I'm moving again and I've picked up momentum again and I'm excited 
or sometimes it's just uploading a video or making a really cute thumbnail and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. And that really helps me get picked back up. I think it can become this huge thing in your head where it's like film, upload, Instagram, uh, thumbnail, all this stuff. But just breaking it down can can help you get back on track. And it's okay to miss an upload. Like, it's fine. Everyone will be fine. Even the other thing, too, is when you add sponsors into that and you're like, I have to upload by this certain day. Oh, my God. that yeah. That is hard, too. Like, it's just tricky. But overall, I try and just remember that at the end of the day, even though in some ways this has become a job, I have to come back to basics and remember I'm doing this for fun. You know, if I'm late on a sponsorship and it stops becoming fun, that's not the point. The point is that this stays fun. So I try. So I relate. I relate so much with your story about feeling unmotivated because you deleted all your footage. I, I actually spoke about it on the podcast for like a full month because it derailed me so much. For some reason, my memory card reader started corrupting all my footage. No. So I was in the middle of a 30-day stretch challenge, and I lost, like, a 30-day challenge to lose your no, footage. No, 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 no. Yeah, That's a month of work for one video. I'm sad for I, you. It was only half a month. I was only halfway through, but, like, the before photos and everything, so I had to, like, wait two more months to feel emotionally ready to redo the challenge, mm-hmm. but also like I made some progress. I needed to like back up and, you know, I yeah. just, so then I thought I got a new card reader and then I used the corrupt one again and it no. happened again. Yeah. So I was like a, a wreck. I was fully burnt out for two months and I would like talk to my therapist about it, about how I've been anxious lately, blah, blah, blah. And we realized like it's because of that. And it's just wild how, feeling so you can feel so discouraged from just losing footage or just missing an upload or something like that we get so hard on ourselves that it derails us for so long until you get that one video again that you're so excited to put up and you're Mm -hmm. so proud of and then the cycle continues exactly so I completely agree it's like those tech issues and things like that can just totally unmotivate you but then like the second you're proud and excited again the switch flips and it's just it really it can be an emotional roller coaster it really can and I think it's because you know for like I see YouTube as something extremely creative and we're putting our heart and soul into it right and you could compare it to like a writer losing his or her papers right or deleting you know the first chapter of a book that they're writing that's awful and like that sucks and so it's the same kind of thing for us but when you do step back and look at it in a creative light, you can say, okay, I'm, no one can be creative all the time. Perfect peak creativity, perfect peak video creation. So that can help maybe be a little bit more gentle on yourself. And like tech issues happen. And sometimes, sometimes I'm like the universe deleted that footage because I was going to make a better vlog. Like agreed. Yeah. Like who knows, right? Who knows why these things happen, but they do. We got to live with it. So yeah and I know you're not saying like don't be consistent obviously but most creators will go on a podcast and be like yeah you have to upload three times a week or you know you can't expect to gain subscribers or whatever the crazy advice might be but you've seen such growth over the past year like I feel like you've you know garnered over 10,000 subscribers in the past year because I feel like I found you and started talking to you when you only had maybe I don't know, like 5,000 or something around their subscribers and you're already yeah, almost yeah. at 20,000. 
I know. I just got chills when you said that because I'm Crazy. so excited for that number. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. But what do you, you attribute? And don't be humble. What do you attribute your success over the last year to? Like, what do you think it is about what you've done over the past year in your content? Or maybe it is a growth strategy, whatever it is that has allowed you to, you know, attract subscribers? Yeah. So I've, I've been asked that question a lot and I always feel bad for my answer because it's not a very tangible answer. Um, I'm just being fully myself. Um, and I didn't realize what YouTube has done for me, but that was like literally create this space where I could be a hundred percent authentic myself and side note, it's really cool because that has trickled down into the rest of my life. And as a result, I've become a much more confident and self-assured and happy person. But anyways, I love that. yeah, I just think YouTube has become this place where we've gotten used to who we watch and they've started making so much money. They've become unrelatable. It's become all about looking a certain way, having certain things, and it's become less about how do we feel and what is going on in real life and I think me just putting my my open emotions and experiences onto the internet like pretty much like an open journal people really jumped onto that and were like oh my god like this girl's just like me I didn't realize it until people started saying it to me but there was a lack of that online where people people just felt like they were like sick of these influencers and they couldn't relate to them and so they they found me and I guess could relate to me which is amazing and I think that's my biggest reason why I saw growth is I was just you know nobody is you right so coming I think a lot of us come onto YouTube and we try and mimic what we see and we try and mimic what has made others successful but nobody wants to watch the same person twice so you have to be yourself so I think there's room for success for everybody and really people start seeing growth when they just fully be themselves. Like, don't worry about the keywords and the title and like, if, you know, I, I it, there is some importance to titles and, and doing what's trendy, but like make sure you do it in your own way because that's what people want to see. That's what people are logging in for and that's what they're going to come back for is like your personality and your experience and how it relates to them. I love that advice. Where do you feel like you can show that you know vulnerable side to yourself and be most yourself is it in vlogs like Mm -hmm. because I feel like sometimes if you're not vlogging how do you inject that vulnerability in there you know yeah totally um so an example I can give is um my first video that ever did really well was a 30-day spin challenge so I challenged myself to do 30 spin and bar classes for 30 days and in the beginning of the video, I, you know, I said, like, I expressed my insecurities around my body. I said, like, I was filming a before clip and I was like, I'm so scared to show you guys my stomach. Like, my stomach is my insecure area on my body. And, you know, I said that and I guess people related to that. And then later at the end of the video, like, when I was filming myself, I was sitting down and we all have these roles when we sit down, right? And it's mm-hmm. tempting to like straighten up and, and, and angle yourself a certain way so that you look perfect on camera. And I just said, Zoe, just sit down, let everyone see your your roles and see your body as it is. And I think that's why the video did so well. And a lot of the comments were like, 
you know, you look amazing before and after and like your body looks so real and like this is so motivating because you have a real body. Um, so I think that's a way that you can you can be yourself. Like if you're filming fitness content, don't hide your body, like show it, show your unique body and let people see you and relate to you in in your body, you know, or if you're filming beauty stuff, like don't hide your skin, like talk talk about the things that that make you insecure and that you would talk about with your close friends as scary as I know like that sounds like I'm like out here being like put your most vulnerable <laughs> self on the internet but it's a growth strategy because people that's what people are looking for we're all looking for connection and we're looking to relate to people online so they're not going to relate to you if you like come on to do a makeup tutorial with your foundation already on and they can't see right. anything unless you're bringing extra special makeup skills that nobody else on the internet who already has a big following has what's going to make you different so I, I, that's where I think there's a room to inject yourself and, and see growth. Yeah, and I also love how you said that it's trickled into your personal life as well and having that confidence and vulnerability in your personal life. I completely agree. Even just putting myself out there online and now having confidence to know that like this is fucking cool that I do this and don't care mm-hmm. what anyone thinks, that has trickled into so many areas of my personal life. So I want to hear more about that as well and how this has like played a role and affected your mental health yeah so I didn't realize that it was due to YouTube until I actually spoke with my therapist about it and I was telling her that you know I have this hobby and that it's very important to me and she was like yeah because it's you're being you and I was like oh my gosh and then upon reflection like I feel like it weirdly enough like in quarantine is when my self-confidence like really improved and like I really feel like I've been discovering myself and like not trying to be somebody else and it's because of putting myself online and having people react so well and so kindly to me being vulnerable was like people like you when you're yourself and so that Mm -hmm. has just helped me so much and I just I had to I had to overcome this huge hump of caring what other people thought about me Um, when I started my first job outside of school and I was hiding my YouTube channel and I was trying to be a certain person online and a certain person at work and then a certain person with my personal life and my family, there was like four different Zoes, right? And that was because I cared so much about what other people thought. What did they, what was I wearing? What do they think about that? What am I saying online? What do they think about that? What am I saying at work? What do they think about that? And when I made the decision um, that I wanted to grow on YouTube and that I wanted to take this seriously, I had to say to myself, the only way that you're going to grow is to take this seriously and stop caring what other people think. If you're filtering yourself and you're not going to post on Instagram to promote your video because you're scared that people are going to see it and they're going to talk about you at work, like, F that. You can't. And so forcing myself to stop caring what others thought allowed me to just relax and be myself. And it, it was definitely like, it, it, it's been a year and a half now, right, that I've been working on that. But it's been great. It's been amazing. Yeah, and it's hard, especially when you want to grow on YouTube so badly and you feel like, or on Instagram or whatever you're doing, it's hard because you don't want to look like you're mimicking other influencers or trying to be something you're not, but then you're also just trying to put yourself out there online and it's hard to compare yourself to people who have quote unquote made it. And sometimes you just have to remember like they started at zero one day mm-hmm. to one, at 1.2 and I think you're right. I think that's exactly right that like the only way to do it is to be yourself because there's no one else out there like you. If you're trying to mimic someone else, 
been there, done that. No one's going to care. Yeah. And as long as you're yourself, like, you don't have to be insecure about people seeing your stuff because, like, you're just being you. Exactly. And if friends from high school or whatever don't like it, then, like, great, they don't like you. Mm-hmm. So I think exactly, it's super hard, but oh, yeah. it's the only way to not only succeed and see growth, but also to, like, find your people. Like, you don't want to... Yeah. You don't want to garner subscribers and then one day be like, wait, they don't really know how I'm like and I'm mm-hmm. kind of sick of this shtick. Like, what do yeah, I do now? So totally. I really I really love that advice. And I agree, like, once you find your confidence online, which because it, it's usually the other way around, you find your confidence in the real world and then it, it translates online. But I'm similar to you where I found it online and it sort of trickled into every area of life. So it's interesting yeah. what just putting yourself out there and following your passions can do. It's like you trust yourself. You have confidence in yourself. Like, man, I'm, I'm following what I want to do and my passions. And it just makes you feel so good to not yeah. care. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I um, So I'm a huge Dry Grace fan. Like, I love the whole world of drag and I was watching Secret Celebrity Drag Race last night and they were saying how drag, you know, um, I forget, I think it was like Alyssa Edwards, uh, if anyone watches Drag Race, like, you know, um, and she was saying how doing drag, like she was able to feel confident in drag and find herself and her creativity while she was doing drag and then that translated to her like his personal life yeah um and so I guess it's kind of similar for us like we've just found this thing that we love in this space where we've allowed ourselves to be ourselves and then it's trickled into personal life and even if you're listening and you don't have an online presence well that could come from like you know anything creative like or anything sports even like if you totally feel yourself when you're playing tennis when you're playing soccer when you're doing a workout class like and you feel alive in that moment and then it, you can allow it to like trickle down into the rest of your to the rest of your life. Yeah. And you almost find yourself right because mm-hmm. we're I mean especially what we do it's like you're alone with the camera and you just end up like find you're spending time with yourself. You yeah. know it's it's kind of wild because yes you're sharing it with all these amazing people online but from the very start of the video it's you and that camera and you almost find yourself when you have a hobby like that and it allows you just to be confident in knowing who you are because so much of our lives we spend just trying to like figure out who we are yeah spending that time with ourselves I actually haven't thought about that until just now but it's it's actually it's so fucking cool yeah (laughs) it's like journaling yeah and it's like when you stop trying to find yourself that's when you're gonna find yourself like I thought I was gonna find myself within the corporate tower of big four consulting I didn't find myself I freaking lost myself like it's by doing things that you genuinely love that you figure out more of what you like and more of who you are so yeah I think very beautiful. <laughs> I agree. I love this. I I mean, I think that's why you're as a viewer, like I think your channel has grown so much. I agree because of how vulnerable you are and relatable. But you also talk about topics that aren't as spoken about in such a relatable way. Like there are people, for example, finance, like you talk about money and not in a way that's like, I'm a financial advisor. Here are 10 tips to making your budget. You're like, this is how I budget. These are my financial goals. These are my financial struggles. And 
for someone like me, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how the fuck to like own my finances and how to understand what's going on in my own bank account. And it's even more helpful for me to just hear others' perspectives on like having the same thought processes as me and then like how they are taking control. And it's like an actual relatable way for me to figure out oh, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And like, in a, coming from someone who's not a financial expert. So why, I mean, clearly you didn't go on to YouTube because you started so long ago with halls and whatnot. Like you didn't go on to YouTube saying like, I want to have a finance niche. Not saying that's what your niche is, but you do have a lot of financial content. And I think those videos actually do really well on your channel and have helped yeah. with your growth. So why did you start, you know, talking about finances on your channel? Yeah, so... um it's pretty cool because I felt like I was being myself in my vlogs and talking about work but I felt like I had this secret that was the fact that I was in debt that I had no control over my money and that I I really just felt out of control with with my money I was like it was a mess like I was emotionally shopping um, I had no budget I had no concept of what I was doing like a big mess and it was weighing on me like this secret and I felt like if I admitted it on camera and I made a video about it, then that could be my first step to taking charge. Um, Because, so one of my like first big accomplishments was doing that 30 day spin challenge. I had never, ever, ever successfully completed a fitness challenge that I set for myself, never. I was 21 and like I never, you know, like, you know how what mm-hmm. toll that takes on your self-esteem to like never finish something that you start. Yeah. And so the fact that I was documenting that challenge forced me to finish it. And I felt so good when I finished it. So I've learned that when I want to do something by putting it online it forces me to finish it. So I said, I'm going to make a video. I am going to out myself about my my bad finances. And the other thing was I felt guilty that potentially people were looking up to me and like I have a really nice apartment and like you know I feel like I have nice clothes and I I I have nice things and I did not want anyone looking up to me being like she has everything I need to be like her when it was fake when I was in debt and I had no control over my money like I genuinely felt guilty about that so those were kind of the 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 kickers of why I wanted to make uh, this first video and it was basically me opening up about my budget and that in that video I admitted that I have debt um, that I have no no budget and everything like that and I remember telling my mom I was gonna film that video and she was like why are you gonna do that like why are you gonna expose yourself like that and I was like because I want to because I just feel like it's the right thing to do so I did it it went super well got you know more than average views you know those green arrows right like on the YouTube studio when when the arrows turn green you're like oof I'm doing something right yeah so um and then from there I wanted to keep documenting as I improved and I wanted to document paying off my loan um and then I just fell into the habit of it and I loved talking about money and the more I talked about it the better I got with money and the better my friends got like the fact that friends in like my personal life come up to me and are like you talking about money has made me get a handle on my money. Like I have an emergency fund now because of you. I've paid off my credit card because of you. Like, wow, that is so, so fulfilling. And I'd rather hear that than I dyed my hair because of you. I bought new makeup because of you. Like that's the feedback I want is is these financial or mental health feedbacks. Um, so yeah, from there it just kept going and it's been so fun. And like 
like I said, the more I do, the more it helps me. So it's like very mutually beneficial and I love it. Yeah, it's also more beneficial than someone being like, oh, I wish I had an apartment like yours or something like that, like aspirational. It's rather you helped them get a handle on something that they were struggling with in life or just inspired them or it's just so much more fulfilling than someone being like, oh, I, you're so pretty or your house is so beautiful, you know, like it's just yeah, superficial. Exactly. And like I used to look at so many influencers and feel insanely jealous of them. Like my biggest one, I, I still love her, still watch her was Maggie McDonald. Mm-hmm. I wanted to become Maggie McDonald. I wanted her apartment. I wanted her outfits. I wanted her clothes. I wanted her hair. I wanted everything. But I had no idea how much money she's making. Like, it's not fair to compare myself to her when she is in a completely different financial reality than I am. And so I wanted to set the groundwork and be super transparent about my financial reality so that I don't have to feel bad by anyone looking at me and being like, you know, oh, she has this. But it's like, well, because this is how much money I make. And I also have debt. So that's why I have this nice thing, you know. And so yeah, just so that people can set their own goals and be realistic, I think was really important for me. I love that. And I love your like financial plan with me videos because it does feel like I'm just sitting down with a friend like budgeting and figuring it out together like figuring out finances in our 20s together and sometimes that's more helpful than like an expert video truly just not feeling bad about your own financial situation and like having someone to figure it out with yeah that makes me so happy that that you say that and I just personally find those pro finance videos to just be overwhelming and discouraging exactly and I get this feeling where I'm like well if I can't be perfect I'm not even going to do it so I'm going to go shopping instead yeah so <laughs> I totally be like, get that let's be imperfect together let's make little steps let's let's do the best we can <laughs> yeah and I love I feel like your your channel kind of merges like financial mental health and then also just like lifestyle so I know One video you posted recently was how you manifested your job and your salary. Do you use manifestation tools a lot? Did you manifest, you know, 20,000 subscribers almost? Like how how do you use manifestation? Yeah, I feel like I don't use it enough because like I've seen so firsthand the power of manifestation and like I genuinely in my entire being believe that it works. And so I definitely need to work on manifesting subscribers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, manifestation for me works when you have no limiting beliefs in the way Um, and those limiting beliefs are really what 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 gets you so I've manifested like I have a one of my old 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 videos was how I manifested a free trip to Australia I got to go to Australia with school for free because I was a part of this um, organization at my university and before I even joined the organization, I knew I wanted to join so that I could go to Australia. And everything lined up to the person telling me that you get to go happened the way I visualized it. So I use manifestation mostly um, as like a daydream. Like I visualize things and I just call it like daydreaming about things. Um, and they they just come to be. It's so crazy. Like yeah, I would daydream about what it would feel like to have 10,000 subscribers and then it happened and it felt so good, you know? So I think it can work for anything, for everyone. (laughs) 
Love it. Okay, well, I could talk to you all day, but we don't have all day, so I'm going to go into the ending segment (laughs) because I'm just going to keep asking you questions if I don't. So it's called Fun Facts and Favorites. What's your morning routine? Um, I've been off my morning routine game, but my ideal morning routine is wake up, have something to drink. Now that it's hot out, I've been drinking like coconut water or iced tea, um, journal, read, like sit on my couch, hang out with my dog, uh, take my dog for a walk and then start work. What is your favorite YouTube channel or it can be multiple? (gasps) Oh my gosh. Who do you love to watch? Well, right now, my current favorite is Brooke Michio. I've just really, really, really been loving her vlogs. Um, And I've recently gotten back into, I've been subscribed to her for years. I kind of fell off of watching her videos, but I'm back on is Kaylin Nicholson. She posts a lot of like self-care, spirituality, and then like vlogs, lifestyle content. I just think she's amazing. She talks a lot about anxiety and mental health, and I really like that and then she has really really cool editing style so her videos are just like very beautiful to watch wait I've never heard of her and that's my ideal content you would love it I'm surprised you haven't heard of her I'll send you her like Instagram after so you can watch yeah DM it to me because I'm gonna binge that tonight (laughs) yeah no she's so good and she's from Canada too so we love oh love that we love that okay when do you feel your happiest ah um I feel my happiest when I am outside with a really good coffee in my hand and I'm walking like with my mom, with my friends, with my dog um, or my sister. Yeah. Or when I'm like being, I think my ultimate, ultimate peak happiness is when I'm playing with my sister. Like when we're like making TikToks or like we're just running around being idiots or like we're lip syncing for our lives like to RuPaul. I think that's my actual peak happiness. Yeah, like acting like a child, basically. Exactly. And not having any care in the world. I feel that completely. Okay, lastly, when, or not when, what would be your last meal on earth? Not when. (laughs) Oh my God, these are hard. (laughs) When is your last? (laughs) Today. No, God forbid. (laughs) That's not a good joke. (laughs) When would be? (laughs) Okay, backtrack. Uh, What would be your last meal on earth? (laughs) Oh my God, what would be my last meal on earth? Um, It's like really good pasta. Mm. from where you I like, don't know like penne oh, no, sushi or like sushi. oh that's a good one that's yeah good like one. really good sushi there's this restaurant in Montreal called Ryu or Ryu I'm not sure how to pronounce it R-Y-U so delicious that'll be my yeah. last meal hopefully yeah, not anytime soon <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay where can the people find you yeah so this is like my most awkward part I'm like please subscribe (laughs) um yeah so my name Zoe Pritchard Z-O-E-P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D on YouTube and then my Instagram handle is a little bit weird but it's Z or Z for you Americans P-R-I-T-X but if you just search my name Zoe Pritchard you'll find me would love to have you on my platforms That'll be great. (laughs) Get get Zoe to 20K on YouTube and we will see you later. (laughs) Thank you for joining, Zoe. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there and I will see you guys next week. Bye.